Marini's Media. Totally Football Show, June the 25th, 2020, and one of the longest, most painful droughts anywhere in sport is over. Arsenal got an away win under Mikel Arteta. Also, Liverpool are English champions. Back on their perch, thanks to the boys in blue, Polisic and the old Bill. How does it feel, Liverpool fans? What took them so long? And now that they're back up there, how can they make sure that this does not slip? It's a totally football show special in association with Paddy Power. Liverpool FC is hard as hell. United Tottenham Arsenal. Watch my list and I will spell. Because they don't just play, but they can rap as well. Listener, where were you back in spring 1990? Were you even anywhere? Liverpool were on their way to an 18th league title. They'd just beaten QPR at Anfield. They'd become English champions for the fourth time in seven years. And manager Kenny Dalglish was ready for another one. We've got a, a good quality squad and we've got plenty of depth there. Take a bit of improvement in this squad. <laughs> that didn't work out too well, but 30 years on, here we are at last, better late than never. And joining us on the Totally Football Show on a night of history are Duncan Alexander. Hello, James. Hello, Duncan. Rory Smith, who's on Merseyside. Hello, James. Hello, Rory. And our one man Liverpool video wall, Sasha Gurianov. <laughs> Evening, James. All right, Sasha. First of all, how do you feel? Uh, like at the end of a very long journey. It's been 29 years for me personally, and uh, it's quite exhausting and emotional. Yeah, European champions, world champions, and now Premier League champions. Say the words, Sasha. Did you ever think? I didn't think we were going to win it all at once, uh, but it's, it's a nice place to be. For sure, for sure. Well, we've just been watching the game which handed Liverpool the title, Chelsea beating Manchester City. What was the most nervous bit for you? Was it... Sterling hitting the, the frame of the goal. Was it Kyle Walker sliding in to deny Pulisic his brace? Was it when Dejan Lovren tweeted 45 minutes at half-time? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I think we're at the stage now where nerves finished around January time. And uh, you're just waiting for, waiting for it to finally happen. I think we're just happy that the season is up and running. Um, but for me personally, I thought it's quite, quite apt that Chelsea won it for Liverpool. Because? Well, I, th- I think because you think of the history of 2014, I also have been at the Stamford Bridge when Chelsea won the title for Leicester back in 2016. It's, it's, it, it is a little bit weird, um, but I think in a way, I quite like the way that narrative worked out. There was a lot of kind of, well, Liverpool's nerves are going, going through the shredder tonight, but they're 20-odd points clear. I mean, they're, they're going to win the league at some point. It was the, there wasn't a nervousness. It was just a, uh, is it going to happen tonight? Is it going to happen next week against City? Um, you know, and it was nice, I think, as you said, Sasha, there's obviously a lot of connections between Liverpool and Chelsea over the years. But, you know, Dalglish was interviewed after the game. You know, he won as player manager. He scored the goal at Stamford Bridge that won Liverpool the title in 86 as well. So um, there is a lot of links between the club. So that was quite nice. Plus, Chelsea obviously handed Leicester the title uh, four years ago against Spurs in that game, which was probably even better than tonight's, which was pretty good. Rory, what were the scenes on Merseyside tonight? 
Well, it was it's kind of been building, I guess, through the evening. So I drove through drove through town along the waterfront at about quarter past eight, just as the game was kicking off, and it was really quiet. And then I drove down to Sefton Park, which is the sort of the big the big green park in Liverpool, where there were lots of people having barbecues, which may or may not be allowed. Uh, there were people playing football, and when the um, when the Pulisic goal went in, there was kind of a muffled roar. But what Sasha says about nervousness is probably right. I'm not sure there was any great sense of panic during the game because I think there's maybe a feeling that this was the first of many chances to win it and also obviously most people are in their houses um, but when the final whistle went you suddenly heard the car horns go and the fireworks start there's queues of traffic there's people walking with flags on their shoulders and waving flags from their cars the scarves being twirled outside I keep seeing reflections of fireworks in the roof of the Anfield Road stand and the centenary stand it's starting to feel a bit like a party. Are you sure you're not in Bournemouth? Well, I th- do you know what, mate? I think, that's, I think that's actually really important because there will be a lot of criticism on Thursday for the fact that Liverpool fans haven't socially distanced. And that's right. But what, one thing I do think is really significant is that you have to remember the context in which this is happening, which is that the entire country has been at the beach for two days. So football fans shouldn't be given an excuse, but football fans equally shouldn't be criticised for doing what the rest of the country is doing just because it's about football, if you see what I mean. If... If we were still in full lockdown and the country was still sort of in its houses and obeying the rules, I think this scene would be very different. Um, as it is, it does feel like Liverpool fans don't really care about social distancing, just as all the people on Bournemouth Beach didn't really care about social distancing. Well, the fireworks roar in the background there. Many thanks to Rory Smith. A, a wonderful night, a, a night of history for him. It, Duncan, if someone had said to you one of the longest, most painful droughts anywhere in the world of sport would end in late June 2020, you'd, you'd probably thought England are going to be Euro champions, wouldn't you? Uh, you've got to be realistic about these things. So um, I'd have probably thought there's going to be a global pandemic and Liverpool will have to delay their title win, to be honest. We've not seen a Liverpool win for 30 years. Numbers-wise, have we ever seen anything like this before? Not really. It's We're in a weird scenario where we've got a team winning the title earlier than ever in terms of games. So they've got seven games left. Um, The record before that was five, which has been done four times. But it's the latest um, title ever won. The only other team to win uh, an English title in June were Liverpool back in 1947 because of the the bad winter. Um, But that was earlier in June than this. Um, They're the first team to win the title after the summer solstice, but I don't think the sun's going to set on this team uh, anytime soon. Um, they're the first team to win the title in eight different decades. Um, you know, they've still got a chance of being the first team since Sunderland in the 19th century to win every home game in a season. Um, they could even beat Juventus's record of 102 points, which they got in 2013-14, which is the most by a, by a team in the, the big five leagues in Europe. So, you know, there's in a sense, there's nothing left to play for. But in, in other ways, there's a lot left to play for. And I think this team... And that was, we talked about this on the pod yesterday. You know, it was good to see Liverpool do what they did against Palace because they looked like champions. They they took Palace to bits, and uh, you know, they are one of the the best teams of the last thirty, forty, fifty years. Um, and it'd be good to see them rack up a few more kind of accolades over the next few weeks. And I think we also saw tonight why Liverpool have won this title with such a huge margin because City played well in spells, but there were horrendous mistakes in the back and that's what hampered them the entire season. And also, I mean, this City inconsistency has actually been remarkable. The most consecutive games they won in the league this season has only been three. So they've completely failed to get on a roll of any kind. And in terms of, I think, when, when the league was actually won, which was actually at midway point, because while Liverpool played so impressively against Leicester, the following day, Man City imploded in Wolverhampton. Uh, and that was it. And for me, the title was over then. This was 19 games into the season. 
Well, we'll get more from both of you shortly. But meantime, if you're wondering what Raphael Honigstein, Michael Cox and Neil Atkinson from the Anfield Rap think of our new champions, then we've got you covered. I was nine when Liverpool last won the title. You know, I've never, never had a pint with Liverpool as champions, and I think that you know I'm, I'm, I'm 39 now, and you know there's a number of people, there's a number of people under under 30 who've literally never been alive whilst Liverpool have been champions of England, and so I think all of this it matters and it matters hugely, and it matters hugely to the character of the city, and it matters hugely to everyone's sense of place, and it is obviously hugely significant for the club to have finally, finally got the 30-year question off the back. What a story, Adrian! Like Rocky. Well, I think he loves it there. He loves the fact that where he lives in Formby, there is just enough sort of, I don't want to say anonymity, but enough distance, I guess, to to have a normal life, in inverted commas. He can't really go through the Liverpool city centre, especially not now. I think he likes the way that people react to football. I think he likes the fact that football is taken very seriously, but at the same time, it's not a matter of life and death. I think there is a healthy perspective, which doesn't necessarily lessen the passion that people feel and the uh, the enjoyment they get out of it. So he would have made a lot of people happy. And knowing him, that is actually the happiness that he enjoys most himself, which is to go to bed knowing that a lot, a lot of people around the world are feeling good about themselves, that they're Liverpool fans. I think that's deep inside of him, the biggest achievement, bigger than the actual trophy and the medal, just that happiness that he's been able to bring Football Club are not just the champions of Europe, they're now the champions of the world. I think this Liverpool right up there with the best Premier League sides of all time. I think They've been so good that actually their final points total won't necessarily reflect how dominant they've been. You know, they've almost semi-revolutionised the game in terms of the emphasis upon fullbacks. We've never seen such dominant fullbacks in a Premier League side. I think that's unquestionable. And also the way they play up front. I mean, with Firmino dropping deep and Mane and Salah, that will be remembered as one of the best front throughs the Premier League has seen. So, yeah, I think you always need two or three years really to judge the kind of legacy of a team. But certainly in terms of the way that they've won it, it's been incredibly dominant and I think everyone regardless of whether or not they're a Liverpool fan has to have huge respect for the way that they've done it here's Salah he's got a run on goal he's still going and Salah for Liverpool have a little bit of that Mohamed Salah wraps it up and the roof comes off the famous old stadium once again worth pointing out that all three of the front three 
are in the late 20s. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why this team's peaked uh, collectively is because I think there's a lot of footballers there. There's not many who are over 33, is the point. There's only Milner. But there's a lot of footballers there who are aged between 25 and 30. You know, you're not looking at that many uh, under that age. You know, so we, we think about Trent Alexander-Arnold and Joe Gomez. But the flip side of that is that Virgil van Dijk's in his late 20s. Uh, Henderson's about to turn 30. There will need to be uh, improvements. I think what the points buffer does from a Liverpool point of view looking into next season is Liverpool can have a season of mini transition a summer of mini transition but you don't expect them to to suddenly lose 25 points other sides are going to have to rise to the challenge of Liverpool and Liverpool have almost got like a 12 point buffer that they can afford to dip down a little bit Van Dijk's in oh he's scored Virgil van Dijk for Liverpool I think a surprise contender for their best player this season has been Henderson. Um, I'm not entirely convinced by the idea he should get player of the season because I think he's, you know, he's a very workmanlike player who's had a good campaign and others have, have been the stars. But I think the move from him, uh, you know, moving back towards a kind of right centre position rather than the deep midfield role, I think it's freed up Alexander-Arnold even more. His combinations with Salah have been very good. And in recent weeks, we've seen him be a bit more expressive with his passing as well. The assist for Mane for his winner at Norwich, I thought was a really good ball. And he's done a few of those passes over the defence, which maybe we didn't associate so much with him maybe 18 months ago. And Henderson! Lovely from Roberto Firmino to pick out his skipper. All good sides, and you know Alex Ferguson was 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 a master of it. But then so was Bob Paisley. All good sides need renovation as they go, and I'm expecting that Liverpool look to do some of that renovation in the next two summers in order to ensure they stay at European football's absolute elite level uh, for the next not just couple of years, not even just until Klopp's contract is out, but to look to make the next decade, insofar as it's possible to be Liverpool's decade. If we do it together in this moment, and it's a joy to do it for you. Well, of course, last time Liverpool won a title, they then decayed rather than enjoying the decade. So how realistic is it to expect them to maintain their position in the title fight in the seasons to come? Ollie Kay has spent weeks charting Liverpool's long period in the wilderness for a terrific piece, which you can find on, well, you know where. And he joins us now on the line to tell us, first off, what went wrong last time. I mean, speaking to various people for the piece, it was it was quite striking that, I mean, so many different factors were raised um, about what went wrong. Um, I think a lot lot of people talked about the emotional and psychological impact of Hillsborough. Steve Nichols said that he almost felt kind of depressed and uh, or stressed and never never felt the same again after Hillsborough. And he felt like it was a a miracle really that, that they won it in 1990 because a lot of them were going through the motions. So, I mean, that in turn had an impact on Kenny Dalglish, who resigned, which in turn meant that they looked for a new manager and Graham Sooners took one look at the squad and thought, well, we've got players getting old, we've got players who are set in their ways, football's changing. And he went about it in a very kind of revolutionary way. Um, and it's interesting speaking to some of the players who um, who, who played under him, who, who felt that he did it completely the wrong way in seeking to change so much. But I think there's almost a feeling that because so much needed to change in terms of entering this new era of fitness-based, more athleticism-based, uh, looking out to Europe in terms of the transfers, etc. It was a time when everything was changing and a time when Liverpool wanted to stand still and, and keep doing what they'd done for the previous 30 years, really. So Liverpool weren't ready for a revolution and, and, and Sunas 
went into it in a way that was a very ruthless approach, which completely backfired, alienated people. And within three years of that last league title, the 18th league title, Liverpool actually finished 10 points clear of the relegation zone. They were only three points clear of the relegation zone in March in the first Premier League season. I mean, it, it was a hell of a fall from grace from being so dominant for, for so long. And Sunas made bad decisions and he obviously needed to make changes, personnel changes and so on. But I think he, I think he kept a lot of the wrong players and got rid of a lot of the wrong players. It, it, was, it, was, uh, it was not good. Speaking to people like John Scales and Stan Collymore, who felt that once they then went almost back to the boot room approach in the mid-90s with Roy Evans, that it was almost, it felt outdated then. That It was almost, you know, like a laissez-faire approach at a time when other clubs, uh, you know, not just the sort of well-documented changes that Arsene Wenger made at Arsenal, but but already by that stage, other, other clubs were taking fitness and, and conditioning more seriously, whereas Liverpool were were very much sort of reverting to the Shankly-Paisley um, laissez-faire kind of approach, which is um, self-regulation in John Scales' words. So I, I, I think it's fascinating that that 1990s period, Manchester United sort of exploited that, that, that gap in the market, really, and, and, and made it their own. Jurgen Klopp, of course, now the charismatic figurehead at Anfield and due to be there for another four years. Klopp is a guy who thinks long-term. Uh, undoubtedly a guy who thinks long term and he, he's been like that from the moment he walked in I don't I don't think he was ever envisaging it as a sort of in and out quick job win league title and, and then go elsewhere I think he always thought I mean he's, he spent seven years at, um, at Mainz seven years at Dortmund um, he's, he's already had uh, uh, nearly five years at Liverpool so it, it's um, I, th- I think the idea of life after Klopp will, will, will terrify a lot of Liverpool fans but there's also a bit of a job, I think, in, in terms of rebuilding, because um, although it's, it's it's a young, hungry team in in many ways, I mean, you look at the front three, Salah, Mane, Firmino, who are so athletic, and, and they're all 28 years old. And you think within the next year or two, I would say one of them will have to be phased out. And probably within, say, three years, you would imagine they would all have been phased out. Um, that isn't easy, because it's the most expensive area of a team to upgrade and and um and so on and you know a lot of people thought they were going to go to for Timo Werner this summer and um I think the fact that they didn't told you that money's going to be tied to them perhaps Liverpool fans would have imagined and hoped so I think I think there are also all kinds of challenges I think I think this team is really set up well to do extreme well for the next year or two but I'd say you know long term there there's always a challenge with any team whether it's Manchester City under Guardiola to be make sure they're in the best, most competitive position three, four, five years down the line. Oliver Kay of The Athletic, and as I say, an excellent piece about where Liverpool have been for 30 years while everyone else was winning titles, is up now on The Athletic. Some fascinating stories in there. A lot of players actually coming clean about stuff that they got up to because enough time has passed. Sasha, enough time has passed. A lot of it with you watching Liverpool... At times coming close, but never doing this. When did you arrive on Merseyside? I arrived on Merseyside in autumn 1994. Like Neil Ruddock. Yeah, exactly. Just about half a year after uh, Sunes departed. Um, And already at the time, uh, people were grumbling that Evans wasn't a strong enough manager uh, for that squad. Um, And that that team was very exciting to watch, but there was always black spine. And the one time they came really close to the title in 97, 
with five games to go, they had the Merseyside derby and then they were playing United and they blew, they blew that at that stage. And then after every new manager, there was a spell of four or five years of rebuilding. So, you know, when Julia arrives, like in my mind, I thought that's going to take four or five years, came close in 2002. Benitez again, but you could see them gradually working on it. Of course, Benitez had the early boon of the European Cup win. And then when Klopp arrives, we have to, we have to remember, it's taken him five years to get to this stage. And he said at the very start that he's not going to immediately deliver something. I think he promised a trophy within four years and he gave the European Cup. So these things take time. And I think especially when Liverpool, where Liverpool found themselves behind first United and then Chelsea's money, they had to be smarter and they finally are. I think the different eras, the 90s were kind of exciting, but not very professional. Tunis gets a lot of criticism, but he did try and come in and professionalise the club a bit. But, you know, um, Robbie Williams was on the bus to the away game at Aston Villa in, in the 94-95 season, which for me is not super professional. And then obviously David James, a couple of seasons later, uh, played Tekken 2 so much that he forgot how to catch the ball for a bit. So, you know, they, they were talented players, but they weren't committed. Then obviously you get Julio coming in as a kind of you know, Wenger clone almost, but a lot more defensive. And he did tighten up the defence. But um, yeah, I mean, pretty much every Liverpool manager between 1990 and Klopp had one season where they came very close to winning the title. But, you know, football loves narrative. And I think, you know, this was a huge kind of thing. You know, I, I remember when Manchester United hadn't won it for 26 years and it was this big thing that hung over English football. And this was, this was bigger, I think. You know, the, Liverpool came closer than, than United did on more occasions. Um, and you know it's finally over but I think also one thing that's worth adding that makes this Liverpool so much different every time Liverpool finished second before there was a massive drop off the, the following season whether it's to do with club ownership or whether it's to do with bad transfer choices whereas this time Liverpool came very close last season and I came away from that season thinking they can get better and I think they will get better and this is precisely what they did this season I think the key game of all was the 2018 Champions League final because you know Liverpool probably didn't deserve to win the game but you know, they could have just sort of felt sorry for themselves, but they, they bounced back. You know, they got 97 points. Let's not forget, under um, Benitez, Liverpool became the first team to ever lose only two games in a season and not win the league in 08-09. Then under Klopp, they became the first team to only lose one and not win the title. They got 97 points. Um, so the kind of mental strength to, to not fold under that and just say, do you know what, we're going to go next season and do even better is, is really impressive. And I think this is where uh, the mental strength, I think a lot of it comes from the coach himself. I think the type of people uh, that play for him, because I think he's a type of guy who wouldn't dwell on things like that. You can see he just blanks things out. And I think the 2018 final demonstrated perfectly. It was, it was a horror show. And he just went, well, this happens. I couldn't have control of that. Let's forget about it. We'll move on. And I think this is very important uh, that, that Liverpool are doing under Klopp. They're just moving forward. They don't, they don't dwell on things that happened in the past. How important is it going forward that Jurgen Klopp doesn't move on? How much is Liverpool's ongoing success tied to this charismatic German? Well, I think that's where football's changed quite a lot over the last decade. Um, if you look at Wenger, you look at Ferguson, they, you know, they were kind of medieval kings at their clubs. They controlled everything. They controlled transfers. You know, everything at the club was their decision. That's less the case now. Obviously, Klopp is a massive influence, but the, the structure of Liverpool, you know, the, the transfer committee, which, you know, if you go back four or five years, got a lot of criticism, particularly when Brendan Rodgers left. You know, there was the whole thing about the, the committees yet to justify why they sanctioned £29 million for Roberto Firmino. I think that's probably worked out OK. You know, clubs now, the top clubs, you know, Liverpool, City, Chelsea, they're kind of organised in a way that, yes, a, a kind of 
epoch-defining manager like Klopp leaving would be a big blow, but it's not going to be the same as a Wenger leaving Arsenal or a Ferguson leaving United. Sasha, if you had to pick one thing, or you can have two if you like, that Klopp has done to turn Liverpool from a team that finished second, that came close, that threatened, into the team that we've enjoyed this season, what would you say? I I think the big thing that they built on last season is they became better, I think, at pacing themselves through the season, pacing themselves through games. There's been so many games, I think, when they won by one goal, but you could see as, as you're watching it that they are thinking ahead. I know, like, managers say, oh, you're one game at a time. No, in Klopp's situation, I think they're, they're clearly thinking ahead. So they're not going to be running around like, like, like massively putting the efforts if they don't have to. They can just see the game out. And we have seen it so many times this season. Perhaps in the end, it didn't quite work out because they got knocked out of the European Cup. They got knocked out of the FA Cup, which probably wasn't the priority. But I think the Liverpool every year is becoming smarter and smarter and smarter. Plus you have the defence that's much more settled in. Uh, Liverpool have managed to ride injuries very well as well. I mean, Alisson missed, missed the start of the season. Um, Fabinho was out and everyone was like, whoa, what's happening here? Henderson came in. I think one thing that's also helped as well, obviously the squad's been there for a while. So it's becomes people naturally know how to play with each other a lot better. But for, if for second consecutive summer Liverpool don't buy anyone, I would begin to get a little bit worried because I think, you know, for example, so with Spurs, if you don't refresh the squad, it might go stale. So I think they have to be careful on that front. Well, in the short term, it's a guard of honour for Liverpool next week at the Etihad, which is uh, bringing a grin to Sasha's face. Sasha, what are you going to dream about now? 30 years, it's finally over. What's going to be the North Star of your footballing ambitions now? Doubles, trebles. I, I don't know. To be honest, James, it's, it's, it is a really weird feeling because this has been the journey. It really has been the journey. It's all we ever sort of thought about, winning this league. And now it's there. But I, I came here. What did I do tonight to celebrate? I took the bins out. I made a cup of tea, uh, you, know, <laughs> for, you know, for this, <laughs> for this chat. And it's, 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 all, it's all odd. Well, this is what I, I also wonder, and I, I'm glad you raised that point. They needed to win one to end the 30 years of drought. But given the circumstances, given the fact that it's been greeted with you taking the bins out and not open-top bus parades... Do they need to win another now for the fans? I think in terms of emotion, um, I'm already looking forward to next season when, or third time when we can return. I'm pretty sure that if we are allowed to come back um, anytime soon, there will be a parade and we'll, I think there will be a massive outpouring of emotion, especially as if that does happen, maybe it will be a sense of some normality returning and obviously people would have missed it so much. But in my mind now, it's, yeah, I, do want to, I do want to win it properly with everybody there. Again, like this, maybe winning every game. One disappointment I do have with this season as well, even though in a way it's, it's kind of turned a bit, is the fact that Liverpool went out of the European Cup because I think a European run and a league run, as we saw last season, really feed each other and build up a lot of momentum. But guess what? Liverpool get another chance to go to Istanbul next year. That's so true. That's so true. All right, well, Magnificent, enjoy your evening and the bins and all that, Sasha. And we look forward to speaking to you again soon on the Totally Football Show Congratulations to you and all Liverpool fans out there. Many thanks as well, Duncan, for being part of today's uh, history special and also to Neil of the Anfield Rap, Michael Raffer, Ollie Kay and, of course, Rory Smith on the streets of Merseyside. We'll be back with a regular edition on Sunday, so I hope you'll join us for that. But for now, as Liverpool finally claim that long-awaited title, it's goodbye from us all. You 
been listening to The Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Muddy Knees Media.